Hello and welcome back to the itinerary. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. It's number 47. I'm Jared Schwartz. I'm Melissa Schwartz. Little something different today, Melissa. We're uh, a little somber. A little somber. We're going to be talking about the news of the day, the news of the week, um, the tragic death of Kobe Bryant and... We wanted to talk about it because there's a big travel angle involved in it. Obviously, it was a horrific helicopter crash. Um, and we wanted to just chat a little bit about, you know, private aviation, um, just different things that go on because whether you're, you know, away on vacation and it's a helicopter tour you have the chance to take, whether you're trying to get from point A to point B to avoid traffic which Kobe was, um, if you're in corporate America and you use private jets a lot, um, it's just a different type of way to travel. And it's something uh, unique that we may be able to provide a little insight on and just kind of take a step back and uh, just reflect a little bit. We're recording this uh, just over 24 hours after this happened. And so on this episode, uh, we'll go through what, you know, yesterday was like and a little reflection there. And then we'll get into the travel angle of it and discuss a lot of these things. You know, what were they flying? Why was he doing it? Um, Some of the instances, you know, there's scares all the time in the air. Um, Some stuff that may have happened to us that we can chat about. Um, different things and different situations. So let's do it. Let's do it. So we're just about uh, 24 hours after the uh, passing of Kobe Bryant and eight others, including his 13-year-old daughter, Gigi. Um, just a horrible helicopter accident yesterday. Um, we were kind of apart when this happened and then basically like five minutes later we reconvened. So, I mean, let's just kind of go, go through the day a little bit. How did you find out about it? Yeah, I was at the grocery store and I was at the cash register. Um, I went into my bag to get out my wallet and I saw that my phone was lighting up and it was a people push notification saying that Kobe died in a helicopter accident and I, I, I had no personal connection to him, but I kind of just like went through the motions and just like handed the woman my credit card and kind of just like blacked out. It was a little weird. Yeah, I, um, I think I, I was turning on the TV. I didn't have it on yet. And I saw, I think something like on Twitter popped up. Um, I was like, what is this? And there was a link to the TMZ article. And then I turned on the Pro Bowl, which was on, which was on ESPN and ABC. And before the picture came on, I could hear the announcers talking about it. And I was like, oh boy, what is, what is this? Yeah, no, and, and like that was really fucked up because at that point we were together again. And I just think that news outlets are so desperate to break a story that they didn't have the correct information. Well, that's true. I mean, that's a whole different thing, which we can we can talk about a little bit. So on ABC, which we were wa- watching, and this came out after the fact as well, the reporter on site initially said, 
and he was going to the scene at the time that Kobe was on the flight and so were his four daughters. Yeah. <laughs> and TMZ had reported that Kobe was on the flight, but that was it so far. Yes. And so ABC went with that. Obviously, that ended up being wrong because there were eight other people and it was one of his daughters, not four of his daughters. Um, it took a couple hours, but he did apologize on the air. I saw it because I was watching the continuing coverage of it. And then I was flip- flipping around to the other networks as I well. I mean, it's great that he apologized, but like, I just... Awful. Yeah. I mean, even the... It's, it's bad journalism as two people that went to the same journalism school, actually. It's just awful journalism. And you just like, you have to have some internal credibility no matter how much pressure you're getting and just to say like if we don't know this like i'm just going to say at this point all i know is is that kobe bryant has passed away in a helicopter accident i don't know how many people were on that helicopter because i mean what was the count initially five like they were leaving out four lives that's like a big deal you know yeah i mean it's unfortunate but they're like in this day and age, and even going back, there's like always this rush to get it first, and you shouldn't be first, you should be right. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's unfortunate, and even the LA County Sheriff came out and was like just bashing TMZ that they came out, and like TMZ does a lot of stuff wrong, but this is something they do really well. They like do celebrity deaths really well, and they have sources on the inside, on the police department, on the fire department, that are actually on their payroll, and um, <laughs> It's it's pretty interesting, the operation, and he just came out and bashed him because the family, like, they didn't even notify the family yet, any of the families. So, you know, they didn't want them finding out, you know, via TMZ or via Twitter or something else, and um, it was just not a good look overall, but, you know, that's that's their business. That's yeah. what they do. So anyways, um, I'm, this kind of, like hit a little bit for me i you know i covered sports for many years and i covered a couple of kobe's games i i wouldn't say i knew him or anything but i knew a lot of people that did know him and yesterday and today was pretty interesting in just hearing their retrospects on his life because it wasn't perfect by any means but he he made himself over just in a pretty great way over the years. Like everybody knows about, you know, his missteps back in 2003 um, with the sexual assault case and everything like that. But since that point, like there's really been nothing on him like that. And, you know, he's raised his four girls. He's very involved in women's equality and sports. He opened up this Mamba athletic facility in Thousand Oaks where they were going for his girls' basketball games. You could see him. uh, He would bring his daughter, Gigi, who passed away to Lakers games, and they would, you know, they would talk. He was up, you know, at four in the morning uh, practicing with her now that, you know, his time in the NBA was over. So for me, um, and growing up in that age where it was – you know, the middle to the end of Michael Jordan's career, it was all of Kobe's career, career, and then it was kind of the beginning of LeBron's career. Those are the three, over the last 40 years, those are the three, you know, greatest NBA players. They're, they're global ambassadors. Like, they're, they're worldwide. They're in China. They're in Europe. They're everywhere. And um, Kobe in particular, 
grew up in Italy, spoke three languages fluently. He was the one that, you know, really brought the game of basketball to China. So he had a big, you know, global impact. And um, it was just a hard thing to see. Like he was a relentless worker. He, you know, was in the gym at 4 a.m. And then he was in the gym and by gym, I mean arena after the games, just like shooting for hours on his own. And he always wanted to be not just like Michael Jordan, but better than Michael Jordan. And towards the end of Jordan's career, he would talk trash to him. And I saw an interesting video today where somebody edited two minutes of highlights of the, each of them. And Kobe does the exact same moves as Michael Jordan. Um, and it was, I wasn't a Lakers fan or anything. I wasn't even really a Kobe fan, but he was great. And, you know, I followed it. I grew up playing basketball um, and then covering it as well. So for me, it was like he was the biggest personality or celebrity that I've seen, you know, pass away in a in a tragic instance since I've been around. I don't know, like, if somebody else for you, maybe it was like a Michael Jackson or something like that, that you might have had some kind of, like, connection yeah. with that was, like, larger than life. I don't remember where I was with Prince. I think I was working at at Rolling Stone when Michael Jackson passed away. What was that like? Um by that point there was just like I kind of think that like he was actually the opposite of Kobe. Like he had such a great start and then like towards the mm. end of his life like you just heard all these terrible things about him and it just wasn't one isolated incident, right? Like best case scenario Kobe cheated on his wife but I agree with you that he did so many things since that moment especially as it pertains to women and empowering them that I really do think that he was a really good example for his girls whereas Michael Jackson just had such a bad decline but I think that Princess Diana was the other death that I remember I was we were on vacation celebrating my 13th birthday. We were in the Caribbean and, and we found out. But I think that this is going to be a moment like, you know, my parents talked about, you know, where they were when they found out that JFK was assassinated. Like, I think that the that's what I think this is becoming just because he was he was not even an American hero. He was a global hero. He's a he was a global icon. And uh we watched a video yesterday of him. Uh, he was like five years into the league speaking to a 15-year-old LeBron James at like this summer camp that LeBron was at. And he was just saying like, do whatever you got to do to be the greatest. Like, just don't give up, determination, all that stuff. And LeBron, who the night before Kobe passed away, LeBron passed him on the all-time scoring list to be third. Um it's kind of it's kind of crazy how that came full circle. Um, I want to get into you know obviously the travel aspect mm-hmm. of this because Kobe did things a little differently than a lot of people do. Um, so I think that Kobe though has like on a much grander scale the mentality that I kind of have that you honestly or had that that you make fun of me for that like at this point in my life I'm gonna do what's easiest and what saves the most time if like I'm not going to feel it in my wallet and taking an Uber is going to allow me to do work right and I have internet as opposed to taking the subway 
that is the same scale for him as getting on a helicopter so he could go see his kids play a game, right? Well, it, yes. Um, totally different scale, though. Totally different <laughs> I mean, scale. Like, so I mean, we're for those of you our, who don't know... We're sitting in our yeah. one-bedroom apartment, so, like, it's like... Those of you who don't know, Kobe made over $680 million in his career, and he's made a ton more off the court since he has left the NBA. I mean, a big thing was he was all basketball for the first... 80% of his career and then something switched because he didn't know anything else and he just took an interest in so many other things like he would be on road trips and he would go to local colleges to attend business classes like just for fun just to absorb knowledge um because he never went to college yeah he went straight to the MBA from high school um he was he won an academy award um he was a producer he was all about the business aspect of everything going on um, he had a production company. He did this Mamba, um, athletics facility for kids. Um, but he can do it. He, he had all that money and endorsements over the years. And so the helicopter thing started. So he, in 2008, they built a huge house, um, in Newport beach, which is about 50 miles from the Staples center in downtown LA. Um, and at the time, you know, injuries rack up. And the, the main point was he didn't want to sit in traffic for two hours. So um, he hired a helicopter to take him to and from practice, to and from games. And so in 15 minutes, he would be there. 15 minutes, he would be back. And he's not the only athlete that does it. Just last week, we were talking about, I thought it was so sweet that LeBron James took a helicopter to go see his son play in a high school game hours before he was scheduled to play his game. Yeah, he went to Springfield, Mass. to see his son play in a tournament and then flew back to Boston to that night. Celtics. Yeah. Um, if you have the means to do it, you know, that's great. Um, it's just, um, it's, the helicopter thing is interesting. Um, I mean, I guess we can talk a little bit about, I was just saying um, regarding him going to games in practice, a lot of it had to do on his muscles and his joints too. He like literally could not sit in a car for a half an hour. So for him to get treatment and be loose before a game and not tighten up, um, this was the best way for him to do it. And, and then all the other stuff came to be after the fact um, regarding going to his, his kids' games and just doing other things. This was his mode of transportation. Um, so he's been doing it you know, for basically 20 years. Um, a long time. So the helicopter that uh, he was traveling in was a Sikorsky S76B. Um, it was built in 1991. This particular one that he had was built in 91. The original. It's his personal helicopter. So, yes and no. It's it's um, it's kind of up in the air. I've seen multiple reports, but the. I wanted to say the first version of this was in 1977, but his particular one was 91. So this one was owned by Island Express Holding Corporation. The company registered the helicopter in 2015. Um, the records show the aircraft was previously owned by the state of Illinois, where it was used to transport the governor. Um, and there were no safety concerns um, since it's really been flying. Um, and then... As long as the aircraft was properly maintained, there there should be no issues. Um, it was it was modeled after the Blackhawk 
military helicopter, actually. Um, but it's it's been around a while. It transports a lot of VIPs, um, heads of state, Fortune 500 company CEOs. This is what they use. Um, it actually it features two a twin turboshaft engine that drives the one four-bladed main rotor and then the four-bladed tail rotor. So that's a little different from some other helicopters where it actually has t- two turboshaft engines on the inside, but obviously with a helicopter, you just have the propeller on the top. Um, so that was the helicopter. He was going from his home, well, right next to his home in Newport Beach. They took off from John Wayne Airport in Orange County, and they were going to Thousand Oaks, which is about, if you took a car, about an hour and a half without traffic. Um, they flew about 35 minutes, and then they circled for 15 And it was very foggy yesterday morning. Um, The pilot was cleared um, to fly in it, and he had requested a visual flight path. So he wanted the controls rather than the autopilot controls. And we can talk about, you know, this. We just had a recent flight where it was extremely cloudy and low-level fog and nearly zero visibility and... um, we had to do a go around, which I don't know if some of you know what that is. I don't know if you've ever, ever experienced it. I mean, I'm sure I have. It's, um, it's when you're about 200 feet off the ground, you're about to land and then you suddenly pull up, uh, and speed up and either you go around. Sorry. I thought a go around was just like you had a circle in the air. Oh, no, that's just holding. Um, the go-around is when you're landing and you suddenly pull up and speed up because you can't land for a number of reasons. And a lot of the time, it's visibility. You can't see the runway. Um, so this was the case yesterday where uh, low-level clouds, they were about 800 feet off the ground and the radar actually couldn't pick them up. So I heard the the tower recording with them with the pilot saying you have to go up to about 2,000 feet to get back on the radar. How can you access that? There's different websites that that you can get it from. It was also played on various news outlets as well. Um, So you could actually hear the recordings and the interaction between the pilot and the control tower. And so when the pilot did speed up and turned, basically turned into a mountain and that was it. So, you, I mean, a lot of things, like, when this was breaking yesterday and even into today, it's like, what, what was it like in those last couple of minutes on there when, you know, and we can talk about, you know, the other people, obviously, who were on the helicopter as well, which I've heard a lot of their stories, um, but obviously, they're, in, they're, in, yeah, they're in the news because Kobe Bryant was on this helicopter. Um, so you're in a situation where you're, you have no control and everybody pretty much in life likes to be in control. Um, so I don't know what the situation was up there, but he has his 13 year old daughter on there. And if he knows it's going down, you know, you, I guess you just hold on and like hope for the best. I mean, luckily you know, we fly a lot and we haven't been in any of those situations where there's really been a scare, I would say. I had a scare personally. But not with me. No, it was right. the... Oh yeah, uh, about a year ago. 
or so? No, it was longer than that. It was um, September of 2016. Um, mm. I had to do... I was flying from Boston, Logan, to LaGuardia. Mm-hmm. And we had to do an emergency landing back at Logan because the we had engine failure. And when we landed, the left side of the plane was on fire. And what... Like, obviously you, you, you board a flight that's going to take 45 minutes to get home and that's the last thing you're thinking. Yeah. So, you know, when this happens and you're in the air, what are, like, what are you seeing? What are you thinking? And what are you hearing from other people? My life flashed before my eyes and I knew that it was more than a year because we weren't even engaged at that point. And I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to die. And like, I'm not going to like accomplish any of the so did you just, things that I wanted to. Like, did you just hear the pilot say, we've had engine failure, we have to go back to Boston? Or? No. So what initially happened was the flight attendant was doing the snack service and she had one of those baskets of snacks. And I just heard like a, like it was a big drop in the aircraft and her basket went like, from where she was holding it to the end of the plane it like hit the back of the plane and I heard a bang and then I saw the look on her face like she was absolutely terrified and like I said we had that big drop and we never went back up and like minutes went by and that's the part where like I was just like oh like I'm gonna die and the pilot finally came back on and he was like yeah we're having engine failure like the plane has two engines both are, are failing us and so we need it was a to, double engine? yeah we need to go back to boston um i would say that like we were at cruising altitude they were doing the snack service like you said it's a 45 minute flight so we were like probably halfway done and we had to go back to logan and when he landed the plane like yeah the back of the left side of the plane was on fire i was sitting on the right side and this man like such a nice man like like our dad's age saw like I was completely distraught and like walked me into the Delta lounge and helped me get booked on another flight, which like in hindsight was like so stupid. I know you're like supposed to get back on the horse, but like I probably shouldn't have done no, that. No, probably shouldn't have. But okay. So I didn't even know we were going to talk about this, but it's good that you brought it up. Um, and what the was the next it- time we flew, if you remember, we were going to Atlanta and I started crying on that flight because I had like... I do remember that. I had like a, a reaction. But let's go back a second. So between him coming on saying we have engine failure and you had you had one big drop mm-hmm. to you landing, was there anything on board like the flight attendants telling you like brace for impact or did the oxygen mask come down or yeah, did... I don't think that the oxygen masks came down i guess we didn't drop enough for that to have happened um but it was a relatively smooth landing eh and then did like the fire trucks meet you on on the runway and everything and like what was the besides your own you know freaking out obviously people were all free like screaming like, everybody this, was this, going nuts this man next to me for whatever reason was like the only calm person on the flight like even the flight attendants that was when i started like i was like oh we're gonna die because the flight attendant was like freaking the fuck out yeah it's interesting i mean unfortunately engine failure is a it's an actually a pretty common thing 
it usually happens on takeoff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then sometimes, a lot of times you also get bird strikes as well. Yeah, you would thought it was bird strikes. Right, and you can fly on one engine. You have to obviously go back, but it's okay. Um, but it's obviously an unsettle- unsettling situation. So you had that flight the next day, not, not the next day, the next time you flew yeah. and you were visibly shaken. Did it go away after that or did it take some more time? I was more upset at the airline and we were flying that airline again and I felt like they mm. handled the situation so terribly mm. um, okay. that I kind of was like angry at myself that like we were giving them business again and then we we dealt with it after. And So to bring it back to this situation, you know, what happened yesterday with Kobe and um, the eight other people on board what what's your take on on helicopters does it like like is that something you like to do are you aware of you know safety situations like that whether you know it's a helicopter or or it's a private plane or it's a small plane does that go through your mind I think that on the surface people look at it as you're rich and like this is what you're gonna do but I think that there's a big thing that time is money right who's that guy that started that that other wrestling um thing that we were talking about oh tony khan and shad khan's son so it's really shad khan right that that we were talking about how he would like to have more time with his son he would fly a private plane to like a business dinner so he could like be home to like tuck his kid in right at night when he was younger and i think that's the that's the thing that like Having had parents that worked a ton growing up and they inevitably missed moments that I'm sure like looking back, they were they, they have regrets, right? And I think that this is a luxury that gives these people the opportunity to spend more time with their loved ones. And to me, like, I can understand why they make those choices. Yeah, um, I can too. Um, I just have never really been a fan of them. We went on one together. Um, and I I just don't like the feeling when I'm in there of the way that it it takes off and it lands um, and it doesn't have two engines, <laughs> one on each side. Um, I It's just not something I would choose to do. And, you know, we've been in a lot of situations like really all around the world where there's like epic helicopter tours to go on and sights to see and i'm just not i'm just not into it and it's it didn't take you know this happened kobe yeah no to you've see always it. felt this way right. like we went i just to don't New think they're, i just don't think they're safe and like and i think there are safer ways to get around and look anything could happen anything could happen on a commercial jetliner um but i've just seen so many helicopter crashes whether it's in the hudson or in the east river with all these you know, blades or tour companies around here um, or news helicopters go down, like it seems all the time. And, you know, he did this for 20 years and like obviously no issues up until now. Um, And I don't know, I guess like one way to look at it is you're going to live your life how you're going to live it and whatever happens, happens. Another thing is you, it's like risk versus reward. And like, you think about these things, well, is a helicopter the safest thing to get on? Can I do something else? 
is um, you know a single engine turboprop plane you know to go from here to uh, Cape Cod or uh, Martha's Vineyard or something the safest thing to do is are there other options and you know it's something when we're booking flights that I I look at there's less and less propeller planes now than there were say even five ten years ago um, but it's something I look at even yeah. yesterday I was talking to somebody who we were chatting about uh, Green Bay Wisconsin and he said yeah I flew from Chicago to Green Bay in this turboprop this is before this Kobe news happened and he said that we had to go around three times because of the weather. And this thing was shaking and going all over the place. Um, you know, it's not necessarily that the planes are older, but they're less sophisticated and they have less technology usually. Um, and so if you can avoid it, like if you're booking a flight, like look into that stuff. See, you know, what no, type of plane you're going to, on. Like I have to give you props there because like i never look at that stuff and you always do right um because i don't want to be stuck in that situation and you know something could happen you know on a big plane it, it like um you never know but this was just um just a tragic ending to uh one of the global you know not only you know, sports icons business icons um it's kind of strange. I don't even know, like, if it's really sunk in. And obviously, there's a lot of people who were a lot closer to him than I wasn't close to him at all. I just knew people who knew him. Um, and I, I'm sure if, you know, say a Dwayne Wade, this happened to him, you know, growing up in Miami, this would be a whole different situation. That city would be, like, turned upside down. And I'm sure this is what, like, Los Angeles feels like today and is going to feel like for a while. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of my thoughts, you know, on the situation and private aviation. I, I think a lot of people have a lot of money and it's a time is money, right? So they want to use their time most effectively. And you you never know when something like this is going to happen and could it have been avoided is the question. And Well, that's the thing, right? Is that it was such a foggy day. I think that people feel a certain amount of pressure especially when they're catering to a, a certain type of client that you know. I mean, but you, say you as a passenger if it was foggy as heck outside or it was a bad rainstorm, like, would you get on a plane? Like, would you feel comfortable doing that? Or is that something, like, that goes through your mind? Like, maybe I should change my flight. Honestly, it hadn't crossed my mind before. Just I've had, like, so many activities be canceled because of inclement weather that I would think that that would be canceled. But I'm certainly going to think about it differently now. Right. Like... When airlines give out travel waivers, it never crosses my mind, honestly, to take them up on it because my safety is in jeopardy. Right. I'm going to think about that completely differently now. And, um, yeah, I mean, let's just talk a little bit about the eight other people on board. You have the pilot, obviously, who was um, flying this helicopter since 2007. Um, had a guy who I saw a couple of interviews today. He was a 
he was a Spanish teacher at Kobe's daughter's school, and he was also the basketball coach. And so him and Kobe struck up a relationship. And uh, one anecdote that he said after Kobe retired, Kobe called him and said, can I come on a field trip? It was to San Diego. And the guy's like, hell yeah, you can, Kobe can come. And then they struck up a relationship and he was like a musician on the side and Kobe offered him a job to do the music for one of his productions. Um, and they became close friends. And um, the wife was a teacher at the school also who was on the helicopter. And he said this was, this was a normal thing for his wife and his so daughter to, to do. So to confirm, the music teacher slash coach was not on the plane. His wife Correct. was. Correct. His wife was. Um, but he said, like, this was a normal thing. Kobe would invite them to, to you know, go on the helicopter and it would make life easier. Um, there was also the baseball coach at a local um, college for over 25 years, him and his family was on the plane with their daughter. Um, and then, of course, you have his daughter, Gigi, who was on there. So only imagine, like, what uh, Kobe's wife I know. was like. She hasn't made a statement yet. I can't imagine what she's... I hope I never have to. No, just... Uh, it's completely awful. Just a horrible situation, and... Um, yeah, a tragedy. Um, so that's pretty much it. Um, just wanted to give you our thoughts on that because not only is it in the news, it just kind of, it's like an eerie feeling for the last, I don't know, 30 hours or so. And then obviously you have the travel aspect to it and maybe a lot of stuff you guys didn't know um, that we could provide some some insight on, whether it's you know, choosing the type of plane that you fly on, you're able to do that. Um, you know, what's a situation like if you have an engine failure on a plane? Um, you know, is helicopters something, you know, that you should be doing? Or should you just live life? And, you know, everybody has a date. Nobody knows what that date is. So um, it's a crapshoot. Just uh, in, enjoy it while you got it. So we'll be back next week with a more energetic and uplifting yes. episode. No one important die this week, please. No. Um, also, I think we're going, we're doing Montreal next week. Oh, so okay. So north, north of the border um, for a weekend trip. So uh, we'll bundle up and we'll be back with all that... Information. Oh, Canada next week. So long for now. Bye. Test one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten.